and open to me. And that's what prayer is all about. Last week we showed you a a video, an old video. It's a video by Pastor Jim Cimbala, who's the founding pastor along with his wife of the great Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in, in Brooklyn, New York. Very, very poor, difficult beginnings. And I've read the story of how they did that, and, and he'll readily admit it wasn't God, he that did it or his wife that did it. He would have quit many times, and his wife wanted to quit, but it was the power of the God that they learned to come to in prayer, and that's the mark of that church. And I wanted you to see the video because I felt led to go back to some of the basics of prayer to inspire us. It's not so much that we always need to know how to pray because the technique really isn't all that important. God's not sitting up there with a clipboard and saying, well, you didn't go on your knees today and you you didn't say the right words this way. We're going to see briefly tonight that He did everything from His side to make the channel open to us to come in whatever way we know. He knows what we're like. He knows we don't know very much. He knows we're really not all that committed. He knows we're not all that determined. He knows us and He's done everything He can on His side to make the way open so that we can come to Him and what is so precious to Him, and that is prayer. So I really felt led to show you that video last week. I hope you saw it. If you didn't, you can find it on YouTube by just searching for Jim Cimbala, C-Y-M-B-A-L-A, and it's, it's my ha- father's house. My father's house shall be called a house of prayer, and it will come up. And it's, I encourage you to watch it again. I went over it again today just in preparation for this tonight. Because this is a man whose heart, so humble, he's caught what prayer really is all about and how important it is. And this was filmed back in the 80s and the things he talked about back in the 80s, they're not a whole lot better today. In fact, they're probably, not, they're probably worse today in terms of where the church is as to the importance of prayer. And that's one of the things that this church needs to grow in. One of the things God talked to me a number of years ago about and the other things he talked about I think we've begun to address but we've really not come yet to a place where we know as a church how to come together in prayer and value and treasure that prayer. The mark of it, as he said, and he talked about in that video, is that their Tuesday night prayer night is the most important thing they do during the week. And here we have a Wednesday night prayer night, and generally when we've done Wednesday night prayer nights, when the church could be open, oh, by the way, we're working to get uh, this open Wednesday, next Wednesday night for prayer. I'll confirm that on Sunday morning, but we think we've worked everything out so we can, next week, you can come here. We've got to follow the same protocols. You've got to wear a mask, and, and we can't congregate with each other in here. But we don't come on prayer night to congregate each other. We come t- to congregate and to communicate with God. So we're, we'll confirm that on Monday, but we've on Sunday, excuse me. But we believe we've worked everything out so that next Wednesday we can have you the doors open for you to come and pray actually here. And we're going to maybe spend some time just on our knees, and you won't need to be taking your mask out and crying out loud. We can just spend some time alone with the Lord. But but we, this needs to be the most important thing we do. And he went through and he traced how. In the book of Acts, when the church is just starting, because they didn't know what else to do, when they didn't know what else to do or when they were threatened, what did they do? They got on their knees and they just sat there and they cried out to God and they, they waited for God to give them answers. And as I was thinking about that today and looking over that, I'm, I'm, and I, even as I walked in here tonight, I've been sharing some things in the morning um, 
the morning fireside chats that I record about how the, 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 what, what the effect of these four months or so of living under these conditions where we come in here and we have to wear masks. We can't hug one another. We can't shake hands. Uh, when you, wherever you go, you see people wearing masks. And if you don't, you get upset at them because they're not wearing masks. And in our, in our whole, what, what's normal to us is, is changing and there's a weariness that can come with that and it, it, it wears people down and I think we're at that stage where people that I'm hearing from and listening to and even sometimes experiencing myself we're getting weary but I find that I, I, every day I have a source of strength I have a refreshing that, that pulls me out of that and breathes life into me and that's the time I spend with the Lord in the morning and I just get in my bedroom on my face and I just open my heart to him and just begin to talk to him out of my heart. And I wanted to talk to you about that tonight and just begin to encourage us and then we're going to spend some time doing that tonight. I want to to turn to a verse. It's in Hebrews chapter 4 and Pastor Simbala referred to this. One of my favorite verses. And it's... it's, um, The book of Hebrews is... is, uh, drawing a comparison between the Old Testament ways of worship and the Old Testament laws and especially the Old Testament pattern of worship that was given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. And he's comparing that to what we have as, an, as available to us as, a, as the church today in our relationship with God the Father through Christ. And he talks about what, he, what God had done in the Old Testament is when God gave this instructions to Moses, He instructed him to build something called a tabernacle in the wilderness. And the word tabernacle just means a dwelling place. It was a tent. It was, a, it was, it was one tent with two rooms in it, and the tent was set in a courtyard that was surrounded by, it was dirt, it was surrounded by a white linen cloth wall or a curtain that separated the rest of the camp from what went on inside in this. And I don't have time tonight to go into this. But inside this tent, which was inside this courtyard, there was a tent that had a covering over it. And it was, it was a little more complicated than that. And there were two rooms in that. And all I want to talk about that tonight is, is the purpose of these two rooms was to provide a place where God's physical presence could come down in the middle of this camp of this people that God has called to have a relationship with Him, and He could come down and literally dwell in the middle of this camp. And there's reasons why it had to be in a tent. There's reasons why it had to use those kinds of material. And, if, and there's, there's all kinds of books out there to explain it. I wrote a book a number of years ago. And, 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 but the Bible is one of the best places to find that out. But the whole thing I want to talk about is God did that so He could be close to the people that He created. God wanted to be there among His people. He began in the very beginning in Genesis 1 and 2. He would come down, the implication is, in the cool of the evening and walk with His man and woman and talk with them face to face and hear what they had to say and listen to them and share back with them. And everything in this Bible that this Bible tells us God has done from Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 on right up to the very end of the book of Revelation is God's effort 
to restore this relationship where we can have a, a, a relationship with God where we can talk with Him and listen to Him and He will talk with us and we can hear Him and He hears us. He hears the concerns of our heart. He hears the things that we want and He asks us to do. I did a little search today of how many times in the Bible God tells us to ask and the, the, the thing I found said 365 times God's telling us to come to him and ask him. I get the impression God wants us to come and to ask him. So this isn't something we have to talk God into doing to listen to us. This is something God has to convince us that he wants us to do. Now what gets in the way? One of the things that gets in our way is we can't see him. If I were sitting, standing here talking to you, even we all the way have mass on, I can hear your voice, I can see your eyes, whether you're looking at me and paying attention to me. We can't see whether God's looking at us. We can't see whether His ear is bent towards us. So what do we have to do? We have to do that by faith. We have to believe that because God tells us to come and ask Him that He's not playing games with us. In fact, the Bible says that. Jesus said he did not come to tell you to ask him so that he can play games with you. But this verse says, God, you know, you, if you, you, if a good father, if you ask him for a loaf of bread, he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask him for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake. He doesn't play games with you. He tells you to come and ask him because he wants to give you what you need and what you ask him. So we know that if you've been around for a while, but how much do we believe that? How much do we put that in practice in our daily life with the real issues in our life? I mean, dealing with all this COVID, all this pandemic, how much of your, how do, what do you turn to? What do we turn to for the comfort that we need? What do we turn to? So many of the Christians are turning to f- social media, Facebook, YouTube, whatever out there to get their information or they're looking to CNN or news. They're feeding on these things instead of talking to the God that has the answers. And He needs us to talk to Him so that He can change the things that we want changed. I don't have time tonight. I did this at the very beginning of this and I'll probably do it again of why God needs us to come to Him and ask Him to do the very things that He wants. He needs us. We're partners with Him. God wants to end this pandemic, but He can't do this on His own. He needs us in this earth to authorize Him to do what He already wants to do, which is why Satan works so hard to get us to not have the confidence to come and ask us. So the first reason is we, don't, we can't see Him, so we don't have confidence that He's listening. So we have to do it by faith because He's told us to do so. The second reason, I believe, is we lack confidence because we know ourselves. Well, I mean, after all, He's a holy God. He's a holy God, and I know myself. I know that I, I, I'm not a holy person. And I may have some days that are better than others, but I'm not always focused on Him. I'm not always loving Him. I'm not, I'm so, sometimes I'm just plain selfish. There are even some times I can get in my flesh and get carnal. So I'm just like you. So how can I have confidence that I can come into the presence of a holy God and, and, and not, okay, maybe I can come into His presence, but what's He going to say to me? Is he going to say, John, why didn't you do this? John, you didn't talk to me about this yesterday. John, you haven't been praying enough. John, you know, you're not a good pastor. John, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Those are the kind of things that they may not float around in the front of your mind, but they can very well operate in the back of your mind and affect 
the confidence that you have to come before God. Oh, maybe we'll come and talk to him because we know we should. Maybe we'll come and talk to him because we have concerns. But do we really, really have confidence that he's listening to us and that he's going to do what we ask him to do? I think the proof of it is is in how often we really do come to him. Because it's not as if we lack problems. It's not as if we lack issues to come and talk to him about. It's not as if we don't lack some wisdom of what to do. It's not as if they're not... And if you don't have any issues or problems, there certainly are people in your life that do. There are people that you know. So it's not that there's any lack of things to talk to him about. So why don't we do it more? When we were able to open up here, how come this wasn't filled on a Wednesday night when we prayed? It's primarily, essentially because we really don't have confidence that God's going to hear us, that God's going to answer our prayer, or that maybe some of us may even doubt whether God can do anything about these things. That's why that song was so powerful, because it reminds us of what this God we pray to can do. So how do we get confidence to come to God knowing ourselves? Well, again, it's from the Word, because the Word tells us that the only way we can come to God the Father with any confidence, in fact, the only way we can come to Him at all, is in Christ, in Him. The Bible teaches that when you open your heart and invite Jesus Christ into your life, that the Spirit of God joins you to Christ. He places you in Christ. It says that you are seated with Him. In Ephesians chapter 2, you're seated together with Christ, in Christ, in heavenly places. So in, in the kingdom of God, God the Father is sitting on His throne. Christ the Son, Jesus the Son, is seated at His right hand, and you are spiritually seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ. So what does that mean? That means when you come to talk to God the Father... It's not Jane or Joe or Frank or Harry or John or my wife Anita coming as myself talking to him. It's John in Christ. So I have the same confidence, you have the same confidence to come into the presence of God the Father that Jesus has. The same confidence that he's listening to you the way he listens to Jesus. The same confidence that he answers your prayers that Jesus said. In John chapter 11, when Jesus stood outside at the very opening of the tomb of Lazarus, who was dead and in that tomb for four days, and Jesus speaks out loud and says, Father, the reason I'm praying out loud right now to you is because I want them to know that you're the one that did this. Because I know that you always answer my prayers. That was the confidence that Jesus had. John had the same confidence, the apostle, because he wrote in 1 John chapter 5, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything in accordance with his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have the request we've made known to him. So I want to show you this verse in Hebrews chapter 4 because it's talking about the access that we have. Because we're in Christ, we have the same access. Verse uh, 15. For we do not have a high priest 
who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. That's a double negative, which means we do have a high priest. That's Jesus, who's seated at the right hand. He's representing us. We have a high priest who can sympathize with, feel our weaknesses, but was in all point tempted as we are, yet without sin. So therefore, why? Because we have a faithful representative seated at the right hand of the Father, whom we are joined to, come boldly to the throne of grace. I want to take that apart for a moment. The word boldly, word boldly in English can mean a number of things. It can, it can border on arrogance. The word boldly in English means I just come with confidence. But the Greek word that's the, that this word is a translation of, means more than confidence. It means with nothing held back. It means the same way that Adam and Eve stood before God before they disobeyed Him. It says they were naked and they were not ashamed. They stood before God completely open and exposed. They had nothing to hide. And so they, they held nothing back. So they were completely open before God. Whatever was going on in their mind, in their hearts, they just talked to Him about it. Well, the problem we have, because once they disobey God, what did they do? They ran and hid. And so when God showed up, He called to them, and He said, where are you? And they said, we were, we're hiding from you because we're afraid. So the moment that they disobeyed God, shame entered in, And that shame caused them to hide from the presence of God. Now, we're Christians, we know that we're forgiven, but there's that shame that can still be down inside that maybe we'll pray, maybe you'll get on your knees, maybe you'll sit on, you know, have a cup of coffee in the morning, maybe now you're ready to pray and talk to Him, but somewhere down inside there's this lingering lack of confidence. Can I just really open my heart to God? Or maybe I'm not going to say it the right way. But this word boldly means completely open. You can say whatever you want. I've had people that have come to me and said, look, I'm having trouble, just I can't, I'm not hearing from God, I just, the pipes are closed. And I began to talk to them and realized there were things in their life they were upset about. And I said, have you, have you talked to God? Well, not really. I said, here's what my suggestion is. I think you, I suggest you go out in the field where nobody else can hear you, it's just you and God, and you tell God off. And I've, I've had people look at me and say, what? First of all, God can handle it. Secondly, God knows you're upset. But when you do that, that's a step of faith. Because in order to really get upset at God, because that's telling Him what's really going on inside of you, instead of covering it up the way we think we ought to sound to Him, or the way we think we ought to appear to Him, because we want to appear to God in the best possible light. But that doesn't create intimacy with God. What creates intimacy is when we're real. When we're, un- when, we're un- when, we're unex- when we're exposed to Him, when we don't, we're not holding anything back. And that communicates to him that you have confidence that he loves you. So if you've never experienced what that's like, to just open your heart to him and just tell him what's on your mind. Tell him you're upset at your kids. Tell him you're upset at your spouse. Don't maybe tell them that, but tell him that. But then be willing to listen to what he might have to say to you. I'm not talking about complaining. That's different. I'm talking about being real and honest with God. So that word to come boldly means to come openly, honestly, holding 
nothing back. You don't have to be concerned how you pray. You don't have to be concerned. See, many of you were raised in churches where there were ways you had to kneel at a certain time and you had to, had to do certain things with your hand and you had to begin your prayers with certain words and end your prayers with certain words. So all of that religious training is telling us that God will not hear us unless we do things just the right way. But Jesus has made a way for us. In fact, earlier in Hebrews, later in Hebrews, it says that He is the way. He is the way into the relationship with God the Father. He is the way that you can come to talk to Him about anything that's on your heart tonight, tomorrow morning, whether you're in the car. I talk to Him in the shower. I talk to Him in bed. I talk to Him in my car. I talk to Him in my office. I talk to Him before I come up here. I talk to Him wherever I may be. He wants you to do that. It develops a real relationship. Not a religious relationship. A real relationship. Because religion and relationship are opposed to each other. They're very different from each other. They pull in an opposite direction. So real, effective prayer comes, and we talked about this a number of weeks ago, comes out of a real, living, vital relationship with Him. There's sometimes I just come into His presence, come to, and I may not want to talk. I may just be there, and I just may open my heart. Sometimes it's just telling Him that I, how grateful I am and how thankful I am. For the thing you need to do that on a regular basis. God, I'm just thankful today that I'm alive. I'm thankful that I can breathe. I'm thankful for the things you've been doing in my life. I'm thankful that I'm not where I was a year ago spiritually, that you're growing in me, that you're teaching me things. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful that with everything wrong in this nation, I can still come and, and, and to church and I can still talk about you publicly and openly without fear of being arrested. I'm thankful for all these things. That's prayer. That's a kind of prayer. That's talking to Him. But then there's a kind of prayer that's coming to Him because you have a need, or other people have a need, or this nation has a need, or our community has a need, or our church has a need. And that's the prayer of intercession. And I want to show you something else to give you confidence. Well, we're going to finish this. Come boldly, look at this, to a throne of grace. Come boldly to a throne of grace. In the Old Testament, it wasn't a throne of grace. It wasn't a throne of mercy. It was a throne of holiness, a throne of righteousness, a throne of judgment. But we're to come to a throne of of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God wants to help us. God wants to help you. He wants to give you the wisdom that you need. He wants to give you the strength that you need. He wants to give you the courage that you need. He wants to give you the boldness that you need. He wants to work in the fa- your family situations. He can do anything. He can change people's hearts. He can open their minds. God can do anything except get us to come and ask Him to do it. And this is what was so powerful about this video we saw last week. I love what he talked about. He said in the, old, in, the, in, the, in the first part of the church, when it was first born, when they didn't know what to do, they prayed. When they were threatened, they prayed. When there was opposition, 
they prayed. Whatever had went wrong, they prayed. Whatever they needed, they prayed. And when they were trying to make choices about who to put in positions, they prayed. They knew they didn't have the answers. They knew they didn't have the strength. They knew they were in way over their heads, and it forced them to turn to the God who is there to help and to strengthen. And the situations we're going to bring to him tonight are just like that. Then this, the second thing I want to share with you, and I'll do this briefly because we want to get into prayer, is in, in, in James chapter 5, it talks about prayer, and he talks about that, that to confess your, your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then he goes on to say, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails or accomplishes much. We should expect to see our prayers answered. I think one of the things that causes us to not pray more often as a church is we've kind of seen prayer as we get all the, the prayer needs. We used to have prayer cards here, and we didn't do this, but it's as if we kind of throw them up in the air and hope that maybe something sticks. There's no faith in that. There's no confidence in God in that. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Well, what's an effectual, fervent prayer? It's a prayer earnestly out of the heart. Some of the most effective prayers I've ever prayed were a cry out of my heart, God, help! I don't know what to do! I've had several situations over the last few months where I just ran out of, of an answer. I was in a corner and I just cried out to God. I didn't go through some formula prayer. I cried out of the depths of my heart and an answer came right away. I watched God immediately turn the situation around because it came out of my heart to Him. There was no formula prayer. There was no, what should I ask? How should I pray? It was a child crying out to his father. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. That just means that you're in Christ because you have the same righteous standing before God that Jesus has. So if you're in Christ, you're as righteous as He is because you have His righteousness. So therefore, those prayers ought to accomplish much. We ought to expect to see answers to our prayers. We should look to see them every morning when we're up. Is this the day? Maybe this is going to be the day. Maybe this is the day my child will turn around. Maybe this is the day that we're going to get an answer to all this stuff. Maybe this is the day that I'll see a turnaround in my marriage. Maybe this is the day that, 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 that whatever the situation, maybe this is the day I'm going to get a job. Maybe they begin to expect it. Because the God we've come to is when you say amen, he's already begun working on it. It's just that you can't see that with these natural eyes. So let's get about the business of prayer tonight. And as we do this, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to be a spectator. I said that in the very beginning. But I want you to join with me in the beginning. And then we're going to have a time when I'm going to let you pray. Get on your knees, walk around your living, wherever you are, if you're, whatever you may be, and just, I want you to begin to open your heart directly to God about the situations that are in your life. And then we'll come back together and we'll pray. But I want to first of all uh, 
pray together about this Unite 714 prayer that we have committed to do every time we have a service here. So just, if you don't have this, if you've not downloaded this, you can get it on our website or you can get it on their website, which is Unite 714. And I'm going to read down through this prayer and I'm going to ask you just to be in agreement with me. We're going to pray for a couple of other basic things which we pray for and then we're going to pray as you feel you have in your heart to pray over your situations, and then we'll come together. Lord, for the last few months, we've been coming to you with one voice from 179 nations around the world, and we thank you for your mitigation of COVID-19. Without your divine aid, things could have been worse. Yet many of us find ourselves in nations and parts of this nation that are still in the clutches of this pandemic. Our economies have not yet recovered. Our lands are in deep need of spiritual and social healing. Despite these realities, we refuse to lose heart. You promise to give justice where your people, as we cry out to you day and night. Lord, with one voice, we ask you to eradicate COVID-19 and bring healing to our nations. Heavenly Father, you are not an, an unjust judge. And even when the answers to our prayers seem seemingly delayed, there's a higher purpose at work. As we continue to cry out before your throne, fill us with fresh power, fresh hope, and fresh love. May we have the faith to fully cooperate you with you when your spirit is freshly poured out on the earth. Heavenly Father, send us a fresh move of your spirit that we will lead that will lead to the salvation of millions of people around the world. Lord, there are times when faith alone does not help us to see our prayers answered. It takes faith and patience to receive your promised breakthrough. Therefore, we refuse to quit. Continue to build in us a faith that does not wither in the heat of crisis or break down under the weight of impossibility. Lord, we pray that you would find faith in our hearts as you awaken your church and save the lost through a fresh outpouring of your Spirit. Father, we also continue to pray tonight for those situations that you've told us to pray. You've told us to pray, first of all, for those that are in leadership and authority over our lives. You've not told us that to do this because we agree with somebody or don't agree with somebody. You've not told us to do this because we like somebody or we don't like somebody. You've not told us to do this because we like a certain political party or we don't like a little political party. You've called us to do this because you need your people who are called by your name to authorize you to stand in the gap with those people that are in authority. For you have established those authorities from the authority of the President of the United States down through the leaders of our Congress, down through those Supreme Court, down through the leaders of our states and to our leaders of our community. These are authorities that you have ordained. And so we pray tonight for those people that are in those positions. We pray for our president, Father, that you would strengthen him, that you would open the eyes of his understanding, that he would see the hope of your calling for his life that's in Christ Jesus. We ask you to give him wisdom and open his heart and his mind to feel your heart towards the situations about which he must make decisions. 
Father, we ask you to guide him in his words, guide him in his thoughts. And Father, we ask you to surround him with men and women that know your voice and will give him godly counsel and help him to hear and to listen to the words and the counsel and recognize that it is the Spirit of God that is guiding them. And help him to recognize that he needs you to show him what to do. We pray, Father, for the leaders of our Congress. We pray for Nancy Pelosi and we pray for Mitch McConnell. That you would open their eyes to recognize that the the authority that they exercise is an authority that's ordained by you. And that they have a responsibility to you to exercise judgment and make decisions. Recognizing that there's an accountability to you. And we ask you to give people to them and wisdom to them to make right decisions, righteous choices, and righteous decisions. We pray for Governor Raimondo, Father, and Governor Baker, that you would strengthen them and help them to have the wisdom of God in the decisions that they make and have your confidence and your boldness to help them to recognize that they don't know what to do in their own and to surround them with men and women that can give them godly counsel and godly advice. We pray for the local pastors, Father, those that we know and have a relationship with and those that we may not know. Men and women, Father, to whom you have entrusted the care and the spiritual welfare, especially in this time, of the people for whom Christ died and the people that you have entrusted to them. Lord, they're just men and women, just like I am a man. And we don't know what to do in this time, but our eyes are on you. And I ask you to strengthen them, Father. I ask you to keep them strong in their faith and keep them strong in their focus. Father, we ask you to keep the churches strong financially so that we can continue to do the work that you've called us to do and continue to support the missionaries that are around the world that we are involved and have a relationship with. And we pray for those missionaries now, Father, that are so dependent, Lord, many of them, I communicate with some of them, they're in situations, Lord, that are far worse than we have here right now, Father. I I think right now about Rob and Mary Grinley in Botswana. And Father, how I've heard from them that, that they have to wait in line up to 23 hours in a gas station to get simply enough gas to put in their car to go where they need to go. Father, we provide, pray that you provide everything that they need, the strength, and you keep them safe and healthy. All of the missionaries that we are involved with, at least, Father, that you continue to keep them strong, help them to stay firm in where they are, and that they have your confidence and your boldness. For this is the time of great opportunity, for a great harvest, Father, when people are in the greatest need. And may your church be strong. May your church be bold. May we not pull back in fear. May you open the eyes of your churches, Father, to see the hope of the calling you have for us that's in Christ Jesus why you put us here for such a time as this may we have your vision father for the lost your vision for this youngest generation father who are who are so threatened by what's going on right now and father there's a wide open door of opportunity may your church be filled with your spirit and with boldness and a passion to do what you put us here to do and to not waste and lose this opportunity that you've given us. Father, fill us with your Spirit so that not only the Word will go forth from here, but the love and the compassion of Christ will go forth from here. 
Father, move on our hearts by your Spirit to melt the hardness of our hearts in those areas, Lord, where we're, we've built walls of walls that separate us from one another, from really caring for one another and crossing those, the street, Lord, to reach out to our neighbor that's across the street and that's hurting like the Samaritan did. Father, we pray for this church and other churches, Lord, where, there, where we have divisions that are in this church. Father, you have brought together in this church people of different ages, different nationalities, different races, Lord, in different backgrounds to worship together. But Lord, we're, there are still divisions in our hearts. There's still a level of caring and concern and of sharing together that we've not come to yet. And we pray that you would bring us together, Lord, a true unity, a unity in Christ where it's the body of Christ caring for one another, sharing one another's burden, one another's load, and so that what will go forth from here will be real, that the world will see it, that will be a light, a powerful beacon shining in this darkness and confusion. And that can only be done by the Holy Spirit. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's not by preaching, It's not by programs. They help. They teach us. They instruct us. But it can only be done as the Holy Spirit grabs hold of our hearts. And so, Father, I'm asking you to begin to do that with a heart for prayer, a fresh heart for prayer as we were inspired last week. Continue to inspire us. May the Holy Spirit grab hold of our hearts to stop complaining, to stop sharing on Facebook and YouTube and all the other places, and instead turn to you for your counsel, for your wisdom, for your answers, Father. We repent, Father, of trusting in things that can produce nothing. We repent of being just like the world and being caught up in the things of the world and the trust in the things of the world. And we ask you, Lord, to call us from our depths of our heart and to show us, Lord, what you want to do for us and what you can do for us. We thank you, Father, for these things. We continue to stand, Father, against this pandemic. We continue to take authority over it and stand in the name of Jesus. And we command this thing as we have before, that this thing dies out and runs out of its course. We continue to trust you, Father, as we've been praying week after week, that you will provide wisdom to those that are doing research, Lord, that they will come up with a vaccine and a way to stop this. We pray for those right now that are struggling with the disease, especially in our hospitals, in our communities, and especially of those that are related to and none by those that are in this, in this church. We pray, Father, and call upon you for their full and complete recovery. We pray for those that are on the front line caring for them, Father, that you would continue to protect them. And Father, for the parts of the nation where this is getting, beginning to get out of control, we pray and take authority over there, Father, that what's happened here will begin to happen there, that it will be overcome there. We thank you for that, Father. We just thank you for wisdom, Father, that we need wisdom. We need in this church and the leaders of this church, the elders, the pastors, I need your wisdom. I thank you for the people that are faithful in praying for us, Lord. 
and we pray for their needs. And finally, Father, I pray for those that have children that are away from the Lord or are struggling. Father, because you may not be, this devil may not be able to get us those that have been part of this group, those that have been walking with you for a length of time. And so he'll try to get at our children. He'll try to distract us and destroy us through our children. And he'll try to take this next generation. But we pray for this young generation, Father. This generation that's not been raised with the standards, that's not been raised with the opportunities that my generation has and the generation under me. That they've not had that opportunity, Father. And sometimes it looks absolutely overwhelming because it seems like this world and the ways of this world have unlimited access to them almost 24 hours a day. And so we pray, Father, that your spirit, that your voice will begin to move and get their attention, that you can do things for them that we cannot do. And we pray for a move of God. We pray for our young people here in this church, D2L, as they begin to meet back together on Sunday mornings, as they continue in their Bible studies together and the way they want to have connection together, that your spirit will be in the midst of that and that they will develop strong relationships with each other, not just strong social relationships, not just strong relationships, Father, of their emotions, but a strong relationship with them in Christ and by the Spirit. And we pray for a new awakening, that together we are all the body of Christ, one body here at Faith Christian Center, one body, whether we are teens or whether we are in our 70s or 80s whether we are people of color or we are people with white skin, whether we're people that are freshly saved and brand new here or we've been here for 20, 30, maybe a few of us, even 40 years. May you bring us together, Lord, in a unity of the Spirit because without that, we can do nothing. And Father, now I'm going to turn the last few moments we have just to let people, wherever they are, begin to pray. Pray for their own needs, whatever's on their heart, whether it's their job, whether it's their spouse, whether it's their marriage, whether it's others, whether it's their children, or wherever the main, the big concern is in their heart. Father, help them to know tonight that you're listening to them, that you're ready to hear their cry and answer their prayer, to give them wisdom and give them comfort. And we thank you for these things. Now I want to take a few minutes and give you that chance to do it. I want you to take whatever is on your heart, whatever, you know, if you just get quiet, maybe some things we've just prayed about stirred something in you. Or maybe it's, you know, something you've been posting on Facebook, asking for advice or something, or something you've been talking to somebody. I want you to spend some time now. And instead of talking to somebody else, just talk to your Heavenly Father. We saw tonight, you can come to Him boldly. If you're mad at him, get mad at him. He knows you are, and it'll clear the pipes out. Whatever's really in your heart, I want you to take just a little while right now and begin to just talk to him about it. If you don't have something to ask him, just talk to him. Certainly, the issues that are going on in this world are something we can... And you'll find out as you begin to do that, things will begin to come to you. That's what just happened to me. That's the Spirit beginning to lead you in prayer for things He wants you 
to pray for. So I'm going to release you right now. We're going to take, I don't know, five, maybe ten minutes, whatever, and we're going to give you a chance to do that. I'm going to do that. They can just keep the cameras rolling, and I'm going to walk around and pray, and I'm going to give you a chance to do that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes. Yes. Yes, what I talked to you about this morning. Father, what I talked to you about this afternoon. I can't do that. I can't reach that person. I've tried. Father, I've tried. I've tried my reasonings. I've tried my arguments. But I've seen what you can do. Lord, open the eyes of their understanding. Open their eyes, Father. If you have to wake them at night, wake them at night, Father. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. You're so good to us. You're so good to us, Father. You're so good to us. Father, we've tried so hard sometimes to make things work. And we've run out. Unless you do this, Father, it won't happen. Unless you do this, Father, it won't happen. So change our hearts. Change our hearts for the lost. Change our hearts for one another. Father, help us to hear. Us to care enough to listen, to listen with our hearts, to not defend ourselves, to not protect ourselves. Father, bring healing, healing, healing. Change our hearts, oh God. Change our hearts, oh God. Father, change our hearts. Put in our hearts a desire to pray. Move upon us. What we were inspired to do last week. Help us to not forget, Father. To apply it in our lives. I can't make that happen. I can't make it happen. But your spirit, oh God. Your spirit, oh God. Your Spirit, O oh God. Holy Spirit. Precious Holy Spirit. Precious Holy Spirit. Move through here. Move to melt our hearts. Move, Holy Spirit. Touch our hearts. Soften our hearts. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. 
what you did in me 40 years ago that night. What you did in me 40 that night. Oh, Lord, do that again. Please do that again. The hard places, the calluses, Lord, melt those places. Pray for people tonight that are struggling. That their children are not where they need to be. There may be some here tonight that don't know where their children are. There's some here that were raised in church, Lord. And they're not serving you. Whatever you have to do, Lord, to reach them. Whatever you have to do. precious to you. They're so precious to you. Whatever you have to do to reach them. We pray for their souls, Lord. Comfort their parents. Give them encouragement, Lord. Hope. Give them hope, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray for our young people. Church, I thank you for every one of them. The sincerity of their heart to know you and to serve you and to love you. Help them, Lord. They're dealing with such a difficult world. But you put him here. You've put them here for such a time as this. You strengthen them in their bond together. Give them vision, Lord. Fresh vision for their lives for their purpose, O oh Lord. Encourage them and strengthen them. Oh, no, there's a mania de kia, but I don't know what you're doing. 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 Father, we, we know that everything that we've talked to you tonight, whether it was through me or just now individually, we know you've heard it. We know that your ear is inclined towards us. In fact, you're as close as our heart. We know that you have heard us. And so we let it go to you. We begin to look and expect to see a change because we know you've heard us. We commit to you, Father, that we will not speak anything contrary to what we've just asked you. We will not let words come from our mouth 
that speak differently than what we've just asked you to do. We ask you to help us in that, to put a guard over our mouth and remind us if our flesh gets stirred up and we start saying things that we've, are contrary to what we've just prayed. Strengthen us, Lord, in our resolve, in our perseverance. Strengthen us in it. Father, help us to develop a hunger, a passion, a confidence that we can come to you any time of the day or night and to teach us how to come together as a body of believers here, especially when we can't all come together physically, but we can come together in the Spirit. And so we thank you for all these things, Father. We thank you for these in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to receive the Lord's tithes and our offerings. We don't receive them here. And maybe you've already given by online, or maybe you've already given by mailing it in. But I just want to, if, if, I just want to pray over it, whatever it is you, you have done. There you are. Um, I want to pray over it. Before I do that, I want to, I want to do this. I want to encourage you some of you are out there and you, this may have been awkward for you when, when I stopped talking and I just, I just started talking to the Lord and, and you didn't quite know what to do and maybe it's hard for you to pray. Well, there's one basic rule about prayer, learning how to pray. The only way you can do it is by praying. You can read all kinds of books. They can show you, they can inspire you just like that wonderful message last week can inspire us but that won't teach you to pray. You have to learn to pray by actually beginning to do it. And there's two things about that I want to encourage you with it. First of all, you have a teacher that lives in you that's committed to teaching you how to pray, and that's the Holy Spirit. You need to expect Him to teach you as you're beginning to do that. <clears throat> Secondly, it's awkward at first, and your mind will fight you and it'll tell you you've got all kinds of things you, you can do, you need to do, and you've prayed enough, or this is not... You, your mind will get in your way. But just set aside, if you're not used to doing this, try five minutes. Set aside five minutes, and you're going to do just what we talked about tonight. You're just going to talk to God out of your heart about whatever the concerns of your life are. Whatever's bothering you, if you're afraid of something, if you're worried about something, if you're excited about something, <clears throat> whatever's on your heart, try five minutes and watch what happens. If you will do that consistently for a week, you'll begin to notice that subtle change begin to take place. And then gradually, as your confidence develops, you can increase that time. Consistency is more important than the time, if you're just beginning to do this. So if you start out and you say, I've got to pray for an hour, and you haven't been praying for a long time, you're going to have a Trump hard time doing that. You may get through it today, tomorrow will be 45 minutes, then a half an hour, and pretty soon you'll give up. <clears throat> but consistency, five minutes, ten minutes every day, or five minutes every once in a while throughout the day, <clears throat> will develop, a, a, it's like developing a muscle. And as the more you do it, the more accustomed to it you get to do it. So remember, you have a teacher inside of you, and remember that God's just waiting to help you learn how to communicate with Him. He's waiting for you to talk with Him. 
And the last thing I want to do, we're going to pray now over an offering, but the last thing I want to do before we do that is maybe you're watching tonight and, and, and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you were like I was. I was raised in church. And around here, we've got a lot of people, especially if you're 30 years old or older, you've been probably connected with some kind of church. And, and, and you may have been in, 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 in taught about a certain way of doing things, and, and that's where I was. And I was, I was taught that Jesus was the Son of God. I was taught from a little boy in Sunday school that He died to pay for our sins. I believed all that. <clears throat> But I had no relationship with him. It wasn't until in my 30s, by talking to somebody, I realized that I had, I had never asked, that Jesus wasn't real to me. He was an historical figure. He was a religious figure. But he wasn't somebody that I had a real relationship with. And God began to work in my heart and to soften my heart. And then one night, I realized that I needed to ask this Jesus that paid for my sins 2,000 years ago, I needed to ask Him into my life to be my Savior, to receive Him as the one that paid for my sins in my life. And one night I did that, standing in my, in my hallway actually, late at night, my family was in bed, and I just simply said, Jesus, I've read about you, heard about you my whole life, I don't know whether you're real or not, but if you are, I'm asking you to come into my life. And I just know, I didn't know what it was at the time, I know something, now I know it was someone, came to live inside of me. There was a change that took place in me. And that was 41 years ago. And that's still going on today. And what I found out later on I did is I, when I opened my heart to Christ, God came to live inside of me and to bring His kingdom. And I became a child of God that doorway to heaven was open to me. So if that's you, if you've never done that, I want to help you tonight by doing that. All you have to do is repeat this simple prayer after me and just mean it. That's all you have to do. Mean it from your heart as best you can. And I want to give you a little bit of instructions. Repeat this with me. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You know everything I've ever done, everything I've ever said, and everything I ever thought. For whatever did not please you, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me clean in your sight. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life as my Savior. And I take my life as it is right now. The good and the bad and I put it into your hands to be Lord fill me with your spirit so that I may live strong for you for the rest of my life thank you for loving me this much amen now if you prayed that for the first time or maybe you prayed it again you prayed it a long time ago and you've wandered away from the Lord here's what I want you to do two things I want you to call our office tomorrow morning, 508-336-4110, 508-336-4110.